Hello and welcome to the Greenhouse Church Podcast. My name is Benj Gould and I'm the lead pastor. We are all about creating an environment where anyone can follow the way of Jesus. So we hope that this teaching helps you on your way. Would you mind standing with me as we read the scripture? We're continuing our Jesus People series, working through the Sermon on the Mount, every verse. And we're up to Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called the least, least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Amen. You can take a seat. Have you ever thought about what Jesus thinks about the Bible? What Jesus thinks particularly of the Old Testament. The Bible wasn't, you know, the New Testament wasn't written until after Jesus died and rose again. But have you ever thought about what Jesus thinks about the Scriptures? How he carries them? How he reads them? How he interprets them? Christians have long had a really interesting relationship with the Old Testament. So the Old Testament is the Hebrew Scriptures. It's the, the text, the sacred text of the um, Jewish faith, Judaism. And so Christianity has grown out of Judaism. So we have this like shared text with the Jews. And then we have, you know, the New Testament as well. But it's always been really interesting to have to kind of interpret the Old Testament through the New Testament. Um, there's some great stuff in the Old Testament that we love, some stuff that most people would agree with, do not murder. Most people think that's a pretty good idea. But then there's some other like strange laws around not mixing linen and cotton together or getting tattoos. What should we think about those things? We, they, they're just kind of weird and too hard, so we just kind of ignore them. We just like let them slip off the radar. And then there's other stuff which is more complex and more heated in our culture, you know, laws on sexuality or homosexuality or how we use our money, all this stuff that's actually quite hard to interpret as followers of Jesus. We had this weird and interesting relationship with the Old Testament. And anyway, didn't Jesus spend most of his time breaking, you know, Old Testament laws? You know, he was harvesting grain on the Sabbath and healing people on the Sabbath and all the Pharisees and religious people were getting annoyed at him because he was breaking the law and, um, you know, he was touching lepers, which are not allowed to touch lepers, and he was eating with all these people that he shouldn't be eating with, tax collectors and prostitutes and people that are sick and um, people that aren't following the Jewish faith. So what did Jesus think about the law? And then there's, you know, there's, there's Paul's view of the law, and we kind of get this idea, you know, we read some of the letters of Paul, and Paul's like, well, the law is done away with. He says in Romans 7, now we are released from the law. We're under grace now. So that's kind of confusing as well, right? Do we just throw out the Old Testament? It's really complex to read anyway. You know, we, in our last Bible reading plan, we're reading through the Minor Prophets, and there's some beautiful little like texts in there and poetic beauty, but then there's some really weird stuff, and it's all about you know nations conquering nations and 
people are angry at each other and different names and places, and it's like really difficult to read. It would be just easier to just like do away with it. I want to show you what Jesus thinks of the Old Testament here. Um, it says this, verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So the law and the prophets, um, that is shorthand in Jesus' day for the Old Testament. A um, little bit of Bible trivia for you. The Hebrew Bible is split into three sections. The law, which is the Torah. So the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Deuteronomy, Leviticus, Numbers. Then there's the prophets, and their, their Bibles, their Old Testament's kind of, uh, their, their Bible is organized slightly different to our Old Testament, but the prophets includes what we call the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, all the minor prophets, Malachi and that, um, but then add some historical books, Joshua, um, Judges, Chronicles, um, and then they had this third section called the writings, which was like the Psalms, Ecclesiastes, um, a bunch of other things, kind of like the, they, they didn't know what to do with that stuff, so they just put it all together in the end. Um, and in Jesus' day, they had the law and the prophets. The writings were all around, but they weren't like collected like they are today. And so Jesus quotes from the writings a lot, particularly the Psalms, but they weren't sort of formalized in the same way yet. That happened a little bit later. And so when Jesus says the law and the prophets, what he's saying is the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, and the prophets. So the, you know, the Isaiah, Jeremiah, and all the minor prophets, as well as Judges and Joshua. Um, and so when he says that, it's his, you know, shorthand, you can see it up here, um, shorthand for the Old Testament. So he says this, don't think that I've come to abolish the Old Testament, I've come to fulfill it. Now, why would people think that he's come to abolish it? Let's just backtrack a little bit here. We've been going through the Sermon on the Mount. There's some other stuff that Jesus has done before that that might get people, you know, up in arms a little bit. But just in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has just announced that blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek, the unimportant. They're welcomed into the kingdom of God. All these people that are sitting in front of him, the people that were far from God, that weren't living the right way, the tax collectors, the they, you know, defected Jewish people, uh, the people that were sick, there were women in amongst that crowd, there were all these different sorts of people. And Jesus is saying all these people get to be in the kingdom of God, even these people that weren't following the Torah to the letter of the law. Jesus says all these people are in, and not only are they in, but they are going to be salt and light. They are going to be like showing the good and preserving the good of the world. These are the people that I'm going to work through. And so that would get people to think, okay, is Jesus like writing a new law here? Is he doing away with a lot of the stuff we have in the Old Testament, which talks about, you know, keeping the, the nation pure and being a people, a holy people and chosen by God. And like, it's us and we're meant to bless the world. Jesus is saying, everyone is blessed. Everyone is welcomed into this kingdom. And so it caused people to think, okay, is Jesus doing something different here than the Old Testament? And Jesus says very clearly here, I have not come to abolish the law, to get rid of it, but I've come to fulfill it. And um, fulfill. We can read that. You know, often as Christians, we read that as like Jesus has done away with the law. Like there are, there are laws in the Torah, but the Torah isn't just laws. There's 613 laws, but it's mostly story. And so when we read that word law and prophets, we think the commandments, like some rule book. Jesus is actually saying, I've come to fulfill 
the Torah, the story of God, this partnership between heaven and earth, this partnership between God and people bringing shalom into the world. Um, and so Jesus says, I haven't come to fulfill. It's not like 613 levels that Jesus achieved on a video game, so we don't have to play it anymore. Like he, he got the top score. We could never get all the way there. Um, that's sometimes how we read it as Christians. Jesus fulfilled the law, like he's done away with it. Um, but that's not what it means at all. It means he's continued it. It's a story. He's, he's, he's embodied the law and the prophets. He's embodied the Torah. He's embodied this partnership between heaven and earth. And by the way, Jesus couldn't have fulfilled, like, done 613 of the commands because he wasn't a woman, he wasn't married, he wasn't a Levite, he wasn't a leper. There's all these different laws for different people. And so he couldn't even fulfill all of them in that way. But Jesus embodied the law. He is like the walking Torah, the walking story. He's like living it out, this partnership between God and humans. He isn't getting rid of the law. He's not getting rid of the Old Testament. He's not even raising the bar of the Old Testament, which we, some people think he's doing in the Sermon on the Mount. He's showing what it always was meant to be, what it, what it truly looked like to love God and love others. That's the way he said to interpret the whole scriptures. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He's uncovering the heart of the law. John chapter 1 tells us that Jesus is the word. Like Jesus is the living word. He is all this stuff, this, the, the commands, the story, he's that with legs. He's showing us what it was always meant to be. This is how a new humanity lives and loves. And it's not that we no longer need the story or need the laws, but Jesus has embodied them. He is the law and the story. It's not that we no longer need the sacrificial system. You know, the, Israel was built around this whole system of like offering sacrifices for different things and you'd go to the temple. It's not that we don't need that anymore. It's Jesus is that. He's become that for us. That's where we go now for our sacrifice. That's where we go to, to, to make ourselves right with God. It's not that we don't need the Ten Commandments. Jesus is them embodied. He's showing us what life in the kingdom really looks like. He's revealed what it looks like to really live out the Ten Commandments, the story and the prophets. It goes on. Are you tracking so far? You good? Nice. For truly I tell you, this is another really misunderstood one. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Now, a lot of people read this as Jesus saying, the heaven and the earth are going to disappear. And everyone starts freaking out. It's like, okay, the end of the world's coming. When's it going to be? Does anyone know the date? We're going to prepare. We're going to buy lots of water and make a bunker somewhere because heaven and earth are going to disappear. That's not what Jesus is doing at all. This is a common rabbinical way of teaching. Jesus was a rabbi, a Jewish teacher. And often they would compare one thing to another. We do that as well, right? We compare one thing to another. And what Jesus is doing is comparing the law, the prophets, the Old Testament scriptures to the most stable thing that people know. Like what's more stable than knowing that this afternoon the sun will set, tomorrow morning the sun will rise like it's been doing for millions of years. This is a stable. Heaven and earth are actually stable. 
Um, and that's kind of what Jesus is saying here. Not that this is going to be disappeared and done away with. Actually, the story of heaven, the story of Scripture is that heaven's going to come to here. God's reign is going to come to here and renew this place, restore this place. Not destroy it, not do away with it, but renew it. And Jesus is here saying that the Word of God, the Scriptures, are more stable than earth itself. He's making a pretty big claim that this thing will live on forever. He talks about not the least stroke, you know, the little dotting of T's, dotting of I's, crossing of T's. Um, He's saying all of it matters. All of it. Every word, even the ones that don't really make sense or are hard to interpret, all of it actually matters. All of it's authoritative. He goes on, verse 19. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. See what he's doing there? Set aside the least commands, you'll be least in the kingdom. Um, little wordplay there. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now again, the kingdom of heaven here, often we read that and we think about the place we go to when we die. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about the good place or the bad place where we go to when we die. He's saying that Jesus' constant message is the kingdom of heaven is here. The kingdom of heaven is available to you. Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You have the availability of the reign of God, the goodness of God, the way of God to us right here and right now. And so then he says, you know, anyone who, because so we'll read that, you know, if you set aside the least of, you know, the commands of, of God, then you'll be least in heaven when you die. He's not talking about that. He's talking about when you set aside the least of this stuff, you experience less of the kingdom. You experience less of the goodness and fullness of God right here. You, the availability of the good life is less to us when we follow the Scriptures less. That's Jesus' point here. Um, it goes on. Um, Jesus is the fulfillment. Jesus is the true picture of the law. And um, Jesus goes on after this. You know, so he's talking about the Scriptures, the Old Testament Scriptures. He says, if you set aside the least of these, you'll be least in the kingdom of heaven. Um, but then he goes on later, and we're going to look at this in the coming weeks. He takes six Old Testament commands, and he kind of expounds on them. He sort of shows you what he thinks about them. So he uses this common rabbinical phrase, you've heard it said, but I say unto you. This is a very normal thing for rabbis to do. Because what they're doing is they're interpreting the Torah, the laws. And this is really common in Jesus' day. You've got to remember that by the time Jesus was alive, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, are a thousand years old. So they're ancient texts to, to even them. They're ancient texts to us, but they're ancient texts to them. And so it takes a lot of interpreting. They speak a different language. They're in a vastly different kind of cultural setting. Technology had, had gone on. There's kind of the Roman Empire now. There's all sorts of different things going on. And so the rabbis would take Old Testament commands, and they would say, you've heard it said, and I say unto you. And they have like these commentaries, they're called the Talmud and the Mishnah, and they kind of add all these extra commands to the Old Testament law. They talk about building a fence around the Torah, because they loved the Torah so much, they wanted to fully follow the commands. And so they had all these extra commands around how to follow the commands in modern life, in their day. And so they have now 6,000 commands, and by the way, most of the commands that all of the commands that Jesus breaks in the Bible and they get angry at is those ones, the extra ones that they're adding, not the actual Torah. But this is what Jesus is doing here. He's like adding his commentary. He's doing what a rabbi would do. And we often view this as Jesus adding extra commands like they did in the Talmud and the Mishnah. But that's not what he's doing. He's trying to illustrate 
what those commands, what the heart of those commands really was. And so he goes on. We're going to look at this in a couple of weeks. Um, you've heard it said, do not murder. But I tell you, anyone who hates a brother or sister in their heart has murdered them. And so what he's really saying is, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty easy for most of us in this room to go through life without murdering someone. That's probably a fair assumption for 99% of the people in the room. Hopefully, 100 But it's kind of easy to live to the letter of that law, but miss the heart of it, of that actually we're called to love people. And any time we harbor hatred in our hearts to someone else, it's like we're, we're murdering them, we're objectifying them, we're cutting them down in our hearts. And that's not what the kingdom of God looks like. And so he begins to add these illustrations to the kingdom, um, not as new commands to follow. So there's, a, there's an example coming up around, um, you know, when a Roman soldier asks you to walk a mile, then you walk two. Now, we're likely never going to have that situation in our life, so it's pretty hard for us to follow that command. But what he's doing is he's illustrating what those commands of enemy love, loving your neighbor, not murdering, actually looks like in real life. And so he's beginning to give us an interpretive lens of how to view all of the Old Testament. Through the eyes, what he says later in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, is through the eyes of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is our rabbi here, and we are forced now to read the scriptures through him. He's the fulfillment. So anything we read, Old Testament, New Testament, we read through the, through the lens of Jesus because he is our teacher, our rabbi. He is the embodiment of the law. He shows us what it is always meant to be. And so when we read those Old Testament passages that are really hard, around not, not murdering, for sure, but, you know, mixing cotton and linen. We have to read that through Jesus. Um, of not getting tattoos, we have to read that through Jesus. Of our sexual ethic, we have to read that through Jesus. And the same with the New Testament. We read Paul's letters through the lens of Jesus, not the other way around. Most Christians view Jesus through Paul. Um, but we are forced to, if Jesus really is our teacher, to read all of Scripture through Jesus, who is the fulfillment of the law. Is that cool? Um, so Jesus tells us that whoever teaches and practices these things will become great in the kingdom of heaven. Again, not about a future state, but about what you receive right now, the good life that's available to you. If you begin to live this stuff out and actually do the hard work of not only not murdering, but not hating heart, you will begin to experience the greatness of the kingdom of heaven. That's what Jesus is telling us here. And this is a real key theme for Jesus, that not only do we know what he says, but we put it into practice. We actually put it into real life. And all of the things Jesus is doing in the rest of the Sermon on the Mount is taking these abstract commands, do not murder, do not, do not commit adultery, and put it right into the everyday normal stuff of life. Because we don't just murder someone. That's just not just a one-time decision. It's a hundred little decisions in the lead up to that. You don't just commit adultery one night because, you know, it just, it just happened. It's a hundred little decisions that, meet up, meet, that lead up to that. Cool? Often we view, you know, laws as um, restrictions on our freedom, right? A speeding law is a limit on how fast I really want to go. And if I go faster than that, then I'm going to get in trouble. Um, but that's not what the Old Testament commands are. They're arrows pointing us to how to live the good life, how to be fully human. That's what Jesus is trying to get at here. Verse 20, this is the last verse. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, 
you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, that sounds like a big bar. Aren't the Pharisees and scribes of the law, aren't they like really good? Aren't they like really religious? They're following the letter of the law. They're like professional Christians. This is what they do all professional Jewish people, not Christians. Um, This is what they do. They follow the law. That's like their whole thing. And so we, again, often misread that and say, okay, Jesus wants us to be really holy and really religious. That's not what Jesus is saying at all. He's saying, actually, the Pharisees and the scribes of the law, they've kind of missed the point. Again, you know, two weeks ago when we launched this series, we talked about that word righteousness. And often we view that word righteousness as holy or religious, you know, really pure person. What it really means is right relationship, doing right by people. And according to Jesus, he has these, like, uh, encounters again and again with the Pharisees where he's trying to tell them that they're treating people wrong. They're not doing right by people. They're not righteous. They're not in right relationship with people. They're following the letter of the law, the little T's and I's, but they're not actually uncovering the heart of the law, of what it looks like to actually love God and love neighbor. So, Jesus is not getting rid of the Old Testament. He's not raising the bar on the Old Testament. He's trying to uncover it. He is the law. He is the story. He is the embodiment of the prophets, which are always calling us back to justice and loving people and treating people right, coming back to our covenant with God. He is the embodiment of what the good life looks like. And now, as followers of Jesus, everything that we do must be interpreted by him. That's kind of the the crux of that little piece of scripture. A couple of weeks ago, um, I talked about one night, late at night, I made a a purchase of 200 WWJD bracelets. And I don't know if it's a terrible mistake, and they got lost somewhere in the Pacific Ocean, and they finally came this week. And so um, I thought, I will hand them out in a second. And I don't know if this is completely lame or kind of cool or a terrible use of, of church resource, I'm not sure. And so I'm sorry for all of the above, but I thought it would be, it's actually really fitting for today because it's a really good question. If Jesus is the law, if Jesus is the fulfillment of the story, then in our everyday lives, in the smallest decisions, in the big decisions that we have to make in our family life, in our career, with our bank accounts, with our calendars, asking that question, what would Jesus do? is a very profound question. And not only what would Jesus do, because Jesus was a single man in his 30s and he was a rabbi in the Middle East, but what would Jesus do if he were me? In my season, with my job, with my house, where I live, with the people in my social circle, what would Jesus do if he were me? And that is maybe the most profound question we can ask as followers of Jesus. That is actually living through the interpretive lens of Jesus as the embodiment of the Torah and the scriptures and the prophets and the writings and the letters of Paul and the gospels is to ask that that question, what would Jesus do right now with my energy level, with my personality, with my past hurt and trauma, with my current season of whatever's going on in life, what would Jesus ask of me? That is the most profound question. And if we became a community that actually asked that, our lives would begin to look very different. Our communities would begin to look very different. Our workplaces would begin to look very different. Our church would begin to look very different. So, 
at some point, I'm going to put these somewhere. And you can, I've, there's 200 of them. There'll be 150 people across both gatherings today. So feel free to take two if you really want to. Take some for the kids. Um, and wear them if you want, if you're brave enough. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Father, I thank you so much for, um, for your word and your scripture that has stood for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And for these words that Jesus spoke 2,000 years ago, I pray that they would land into our hearts and souls and into our feet and our eyes and our minds and our calendars and our bank accounts and our social media accounts and the way we spend every moment of our lives. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come and fill us again? Would you make us into Jesus-shaped people? Would you begin to guide us and lead us into that question of what, what would Jesus do here if he were me in this exact circumstance? What would the fulfillment of the story and the instruction and the commands and the prophets look like right here in my life? I pray that you would continue to bring that question to mind to us in a very profound and practical way. I pray that this week as we go, that, you know, if we're wearing it on our wrists or, you know, we're not and it just comes to our mind, I pray that you would just bring it to mind in the most profound moments, in the most simple of moments, in the most humble of moments, that we may be people that embody you in this world not because we're trying to get into heaven, not because we're trying to go to the good place when we die, not just because we're trying to be a good person, but because we have experienced the kingdom of God, that we have the kingdom of heaven available to us, we, that you, have give us, um, you give us direction and a way to be fully human, to live the good life, to live in right relationship with people. And that's not always easy, but it is good. And so we ask for your spirit to come and help. Jesus, would you continue to be first and foremost in our minds as we go into the everyday stuff of life? Thank you that you so well embodied the story of Scripture. And may it be so in our lives as well. Amen. Amen.